Hey everyone, before you dive into this week's teaching from Pastor Andre, we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening. If you find this podcast to be encouraging or helpful in growing deeper in your faith, would you take a few seconds and share it with someone? They too could be needing the very same thing that you received. Again, thanks for listening and we pray that you have a wonderful day. You're in our Masterclass series where we're learning from the words of Jesus, the expert himself about faithful living. And so far we've learned about this upside-down kingdom. It's different from other kingdoms of the world. It values people who are on the fringes, who have been uh, discarded to to the edge uh, by the rest of the world, and it's treating everyone with this uh, powerful love that comes from God. We're learning from this sermon from Jesus that one of his goals is to see hearts transformed, not just good actions being done by people, but truly hearts that love God and love others. In a world where people are run by their own pride, by their own selfishness, by this desire to get ahead uh, at whatever cost, even at other people's misfortune, pushing other people down so that we could look better, Jesus is saying, my kingdom's different than that. You don't have to do that in my kingdom. It's all about this selfless love that comes from God to us that we are to then give to other people, truly unlike any other kingdom on the earth. And it's all about living the life that God intended humanity to live. And in a world today with so much brokenness, everywhere you look, maybe in your own life and in the lives of those around you, these instructions from God are essential. One aspect of life today that seems uh, so rampant and unhealthy is how divisive we are as a people. And one part of this is that it, that divisiveness comes from how we judge other people. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever felt judged by someone? Raise of hands. I feel, hopefully, I get, maybe not. Okay. Uh, how many of you uh, have ever felt judged by another Christian? Yeah. Ooh, yeah. How many of you honesty time, have judged someone else. We've all been there, on the giving end or the receiving end. Um, And when we judge people, it creates this unnecessary distance between each other, space that was not intended to be there. And it happens a lot. Uh, As a parent, uh, it happens a lot with kids. If I'm at a park and I see someone else's kid acting you know, out of line or something, I am so quick to judge that other parent. Be like, how are you not on, look at this, this is a reflection of you. Um, It's not good, it's not good. But it happens, it goes through my thought. Or if someone uh, cuts you off on the freeway, how quick are we to judge? Be like, that person, so full of them, they think they can drive any way they want. And and we're just handing out these judgments. Or uh, if someone uh, in a conversation, wherever you're at, at dinner or uh, just around church maybe, if someone seems disengaged or, Uh, They're just not present with you in that conversation. How quickly are we to judge that they're just a very rude person? These are just small examples, but it shows that our minds are quick to land on a judgment of someone else. We put people in a place in our minds where we think we are nothing like them. I would never do that. That's not me. Wow, I can't believe they're doing that. We think that Uh, We would never deal with the life or problems that we see in someone else. We would never deal with it the way that they're dealing with it. And we usually think that we're better than them to some extent. I can't believe they're doing that. I would never because I am up here. They are down here. We don't think in those terms, but that's what we're doing in our minds. 
And if we let this habit run without check, if we uh, become characterized by judging others, and typically what can happen is that we're so often judging others, if we get into this mindset, that we become blind to the issues that we have in our own lives, right? We think, man, everyone else has got a lot of problems. If they just live life the way I did, they would be so much better. We're so easily consumed and focused on others' faults that we tend to think that we are pretty all right. Again, maybe we don't think we're not aware of this happening when it's happening. But if you were to pause and think now, you're like, oh, I do maybe sound like that sometimes. Or I do think that sometimes. I know I've thought that before. And when I do take a moment to check myself, I'm, like, I'm a fool. I'm pretty, that's, I should not do that. And thankfully, Jesus has some wise words for us today about this issue. So if you could turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew 7, continuing in the Sermon on the Mount. You can follow along on the screen as I read verses 1 through 6. Jesus says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite! First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Then he says, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. So far, we've been kind of covering longer sections of the Sermon on the Mount, and this one's a bit shorter, only six verses. And I think sometimes Jesus' concepts of his new kingdom, uh, they take a lot of explaining. Like, hey, this is pretty radical. I need to take some time and sit down with you and explain it. And sometimes his lessons are, look, don't do it. That's it. And this is one of those moments where Jesus is like, disciples, you should know this. I'm going to remind you, short and sweet, like this sermon will be. So let's dive deeper into what Jesus is saying here. It starts with Jesus reminding us of our roles. In verses 1 through 2, he says that we are not judges. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the, uh, the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Jesus is saying that, God will judge people by the same standards they apply to others. So if you judge harshly, God's going to judge you harshly. And the way that Jesus says these lines also uh, should sound familiar to uh, some part that Pastor Chris preached last week from the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us as we forgive those who sin against us. Do not judge unless you too want to be judged. Luke's gospel uh, puts this together. In Luke 6, in his version of the Sermon on the Mount, says, Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. It's helping us understand that Jesus cares not just what happens to us. Of course, he cares about us, but he cares about what we do to others too. And he wants us to be a difference, not just that tit for tat. Hey, they did it to me. I get to do it to them. Saying, I'm expecting you to be better. Even if you are treated harshly, I'm expecting you to love in return. I think this can be really hard for Christians especially, which is probably why Jesus is telling his disciples. Because Christians know the truth. They know what is right and wrong. They know uh, God's word and his law. And so sometimes we think or we slip into this mindset that that knowledge gives us the right to then judge others and hand out this information of, I, I know what's good and bad, and you are not doing the good part. You are doing bad. 
Just because we know what someone is doing wrong does not mean that we get the permission to hand out the judgment. We are not judges. When we think of judging, it's basic, uh, in its very basic form, it's an expressing a, a negative opinion of someone. The word for judge has connotations of ruling over someone, and humanity does not have a good track record of ruling over other people. It tends to tap into our struggle with pride and ego and power and this distortion of the truth, the truth being that we are all human, created by God in his image, in need of a savior. And instead of seeing the layers to reality where there's God, then there's humanity, and then there's the rest of creation, we're special because we're made in his image, judging others, like I said before, puts this space in between us where there shouldn't be any space. And it it's kind of this God reaching God status act where we try to be better than someone. We try to be on God's level and we push other people down to the subhuman level. Judging isn't what we were made to do. The Bible is clear that we are, there's really only one judge and that is God. Psalm 75, 7 says, it is God who judges. He brings one uh, down. He exalts another. Judgment was made to be God's. This is an action that belongs to him. For Israel, humanity's role in God's judgment was for some whom God appointed to hand down this ruling of God, to enforce his laws, to set right the wrongs that had been committed according to God's word. But it was still God who was judging, and then we were just sharing God's judgment. I shouldn't say we, the old judges, Old Testament. Now I'm not uh, the most I'm not most up to date with the legal process. I I've only watched a few episodes of Judge Judy in my life, and I'm amazed that I think I've like seen a recent episode and she looks exactly the same as she did like 20 years ago when I first saw an episode. I don't know how she does that. I think it was a new episode. Um, but I do know that in the judging process, they want to know as much as possible. They're trying to gather as much information as they can so that the judgment is accurate and fair given all that is known. And while we can try to know everything, we can do our best to give all the relevant information through testimonies and we can gather evidence. We can try to get to people's motives and hearts by asking them questions. It's still not 100% possible for us to, to know every single thing that happened in whatever those court cases. And this is why we don't make perfect judges. God, however, is the perfect judge. Not only does he know and see everything, but he also knows the heart of every person. Proverbs tells us that God weighs the heart of man. Jeremiah tells us that God searches the heart of every person. First Samuel tells us that God looks at the heart to know someone. So God knows not just what's happened in the world. He not only sees uh, and knows everything, but he knows what's inside a person. God is the perfect judge, knows all that there is to know, and is able to give the perfect judgment. That's why he is set up to judge, not us. We are not judges. We need to remember our roles as representatives of Christ's kingdom, what that means, what we should do, and what it means that we shouldn't do. We shouldn't judge. Next, in our passage here in verses 3 through 5, we see uh, that Jesus is saying that we are works in progress. 
Jesus is using his carpentry background here with some woodworking to help explain how unhelpful we are when judging other people. Jesus is reminding us that we all have stuff to work on. We are all a work in progress. We're going through a process with the Spirit. Everyone here in this room, whether walking with God for 30 plus years or you just became a believer a couple months ago, God is still working inside of you, addressing the sin in your life. And you're not done yet. His words here are referencing this tendency we have to pick apart someone else. Oftentimes for something pretty small, when we have bigger things going on inside of us. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. It happens to me. My wife graciously uh, addresses it. She brings it to my attention. And most often recently, it's been happening with our daughter. She'll notice when I'm coming down a little too stern or too firm with her, and she's like, honey, is there something else going on with you? Uh, What Kinsley did was not that big of a deal. And I'll be like, yeah, you're right. Something else. I got something else on my mind, and unfortunately, I was just picking apart something small in her life when I got something bigger going on. That's a small example, but it happens on a larger scale too. Someone pointing out the smallest wrong in someone else when they have much bigger issues going on in their own life. And sometimes we can pick up on it. I don't know if you've ever been around someone when maybe they've snapped or just lost it, and the first thought you have is, I think there's something going on in their lives. And sometimes that outward display of frustration about someone else's very small mistake is a clue that they have bigger issues going on in their heart. Jesus' words here, to take the log out of one's own eye, was also a direct reference to the Pharisees. The ones who were seemingly the most holy at the time, who knew the law inside and out, uh, had made it also a habit of pointing out others' wrongs. And as we mentioned before, um, Jesus would say in Matthew 23 later that the Pharisees were the biggest hypocrites. They appeared clean on the outside, but on the inside they were dead and unclean, full of hypocrisy and wickedness. And so how are the Pharisees so easily casting judgment on other people when they have the biggest heart issue to deal with? How do we not be like the Pharisees? Which, if anyone would be a Pharisee in today's world, it would be the church, right? We know God's word. We're aware of his truth and what he's, what he's trying to teach. So we don't want to be like Pharisees. How do we avoid being Pharisees? Well, we remember that the Spirit is at work in people, or we hope that he is. It's a process to be transformed, to be made like Christ, one that takes time. And it's not always an upward climb of getting better and better. Sometimes it's two steps forward and one steps back, or one step forward and two steps back. It's a continual process. And we don't know where people are at in that process. But we can remember easily by first recognizing that God is at work in us, and then hopefully that will trigger us to remember that God's probably at work in them too. By being close and in tune with what the Spirit is doing in our own hearts and lives, hopefully it'll be easier to remember that He's also doing that for someone else. A scholar wrote this about this passage. It says that people often excuse sins in themselves that are far worse than the sins they identify in others. The remedy to a judgmental attitude is an understanding of one's own need for spiritual healing, for righteousness, and of mercy. 
So by remembering, understanding, and appreciating that the work God is doing within us is first and foremost, it will help us remember that God is at work in other people. Now, before you start thinking that we shouldn't pay attention to other people's lives at all, let's read verse 5. Verse 5 says, You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So Jesus is saying we should help others. I think of this as the airplane mentality. When they go through that check, uh, or the very beginning when you get on the flight, and they tell you, you know, here's how to buckle, here's how to unbuckle. And they say, in case of an emergency, when the little oxygen thing comes down, help yourself before helping others. And they do that so that, and, you know, God forbid this ever really happens, but in case that does come down and you're trying to help someone, in case you don't help them, instead of them and you being in danger, uh, you're able to help hopefully save both of yourselves. You can help yourself and you're good, and then you can help someone else. Who knew that airplane instructions were so biblical? But this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, first, let the Spirit do work and work in your life and experience some of that transformation and victory. And then, then turn to your neighbor and offer whatever you can offer. Jesus is addressing uh, his disciples who will be the face of God's kingdom on earth, the first representatives of what it means to live like Christ. And he wants them to exemplify addressing one's own sin before addressing someone else's. When we have undergone the work of the Spirit, then we can offer sincere help to others who are struggling. And this makes sense. I don't know if this ever happened to you in school, but maybe like in a math class. And maybe everyone on the test got one equation wrong. And so the teacher's like, hey, we're going to go do this equation. Everyone, let's work on this equation. And then maybe a student figured it out. And then the teacher was like, okay, now that you figured it out, now you can help your neighbor. Help, help me help the other people. But it wasn't until that person figured it out or experienced what it was to be right that they could then help someone else. Or I did sports and soccer, and if the coach was trying to teach something and one student got it, he was like, okay, now go teach your partner. Go teach the person next to you. And those people who helped others, they didn't do so usually with pride of like, I got it. I'm helping you. There's a genuine you know, desire to say, hey, let me help you. It took, it was really hard. Let me help you do this. Or let me teach you how to do this. And that's the heart that Jesus wants us to have here. And whatever serious sin and struggle someone faces, when that person experiences some sort of victory or some level of transformation, then they are able to help or support. And it doesn't necessarily mean that we are fixing other people. That's not our role either. Remember our roles. That's the Spirit's role to be transforming. But we can let them know that they're not alone. We can let, be a source of encouragement to say, hey, it gets better. We can talk with them, process with them, maybe give advice. Right? This is a part of the DNA of every church, a group of believers who are having the Spirit work in their lives that are then able to support and help each other. Be there with each other through familiar challenges. When someone is dealing with um, anger issues, for example, and that person who has experienced the work of Christ in their life to bring down those anger issues, to experience a calm and a peace and an ability to uh, not go down the temptation of being angry, he can go up to someone else who's dealing with anger issues and offer suggestions or talk with them and pray with them or just say, hey, me too. I know what it's like. God's still working on that in me. 
Jesus is saying, deal with your own sin and then help others remove the speck from their eye. God wants his church to partner with him in his restorative and redemptive works in his ministry in his church. And then we come to verse 6, which says that we need boundaries. Now, through all this, uh, passage 1 through 6, 1 through 5 has an evangelistic tone. Jesus is saying that when this is lived out, when his, he knows that when his disciples embody this lack of judgment and uh, a love for people, it will be a testimony to Jesus and to his kingdom. When his disciples embody God's character of love, kindness, compassion, instead of judgment, it will point people to Christ. And there'll be an opportunity for someone to come to faith. So verses 1 through 5 are, do this, be the light. But verse 6 says, know when to walk away. When you're living this out and someone is just not taking to the gospel message, know your boundaries. He talks about pearls, and pearls symbolize something of great value, which is the gospel here. And then he mentions dogs and pigs, which describe something dirty and rejected. And so believers are to be merciful, forgiving, and slow to judge, yet they should still discern the true character of someone and not indefinitely proclaim the gospel to those who are adamantly rejecting it. In other words, someone rejecting the gospel shouldn't keep us from sharing Jesus with others. If that person is just so adamant about putting a wall up and saying, I don't want this, I'm done. Take that as a sign, know your boundary, and move on to someone who God wants you to share with. Jesus is prepping his disciples for the reality that some of them will face. There will be people who reject the gospel. They don't want to hear the good news of Christ. And by Jesus telling them to know when to have boundaries, know when to move on, he's not necessarily, necessarily saying that God is done with that person. He's just saying that disciple's role in reaching that person, that, that's over. I can still reach that person, maybe in a different way, but uh, I want to be done using you for this moment. And that's okay. It's not us who saves, right? It's Jesus who saves. By, give, by having boundaries, we are not giving up on that person, but we are trusting that God is still in charge. God is the one who will, in his perfect timing, reach out again to that person. Know your boundaries. And know that your boundaries may differ from each other, even in this room. Someone may be better equipped to deal with a person who is maybe aggressively adamant about rejecting the gospel, while others may have a little bit more patience to say, okay, well, I'm going to stick with this person for a little bit longer, and I'm going to continue to be in their life. Maybe for you, it's like, I can't. That's not good for me. I can't do that right now. That is okay. Know your boundary. We've seen uh, in this passage then how Jesus wants us to know that we are not judges. We are all works in progress, how we should help others, and how we need boundaries. I think something that uh, helped me in this lesson, and I want to share it with you, uh, is a quote from a non-biblical author. Uh, I first heard it from a TV show and uh, learned that it was from something else, more legit. It was a comedy TV show. Um, but they quoted Walt Whitman. And Walt Whitman says, um, be curious, not judgmental. 
And I think this is a very just practical wisdom. This quote has stuck with me ever since. In whatever moment that we are tempted to judge someone else, what if we paused and we were curious and not judgmental? What if we were curious about what is going on in their lives, how God may be at work, where they're at in that process, instead of being judgmental? So when I'm at the playground and I see that kid who's acting out and is just making a scene, what if I am a little bit more curious about where that parent's at? Man, I too know what it's like to have a kid who is acting out. Maybe this is just a very hard day. And I start going through whatever excuses I can come up with. And sooner or later, I'm starting to have grace and compassion towards that parent instead of judgment. Why not wonder about what God could be doing in that person's life? When that person cuts me off on the freeway, instead of judging them, what if I pause? I'm just like, maybe they have something very important to get to. I hope they get there on time, safely. Or maybe they're emotional. I wonder if they're emotional in there. What if they're crying and they're driving and they're just, they can't, they're not fully in control right now. And I'm starting to come up with these excuses. I'm being curious about what is going on in their life. And I'm having grace and compassion. Or for that person who is coming off rude in that conversation, who's absent-minded or not engaged with me like I want them to be, maybe I'm curious about, man, I wonder if there's something that's consuming them right now. I hope they're okay. Their mind seems to be somewhere else, and it's probably important. I don't need to be hurt that they're not paying attention to me. I just need, I want to meet them where they're at. Maybe, maybe God's doing something in their life. We can be so quick to judge, so quick to come to conclusions about people that may or may not be correct, and it can't hurt to be a little bit more curious. When we are judging others, we often do it lacking the very characteristics that Jesus wants us to emulate. We don't often judge with compassion, with love, with kindness, and the grace that he wants his disciples to be marked with. So let's focus on being more like Christ, letting Christ do his thing in that person's life, and we can be a representative of Christ and his kingdom to them. I want to ask just these reflection questions for all of you as we end our time. Are you characterized by judging others? Is what you share with people in conversation or what you post on social media Is it mostly judgment on other people? Or are you characterized by love and compassion more than judgment? Do we remember that the Spirit is at work in other people just like he's at work in us? Do we have the heart to want to help other people, to be a source of encouragement? After experiencing what it's like to have Christ change us and transform us, do we have the joy and desire to say, hey, I want... I want others to experience the same thing. And then do we have healthy boundaries? If there's someone in your life that is just draining you because you keep reaching them, is God maybe saying, hey, know a boundary. Maybe take a break right now. Trust that I can still do it. It's not all on you. But is there a, is there a person in your life that you may need to put a boundary on? I'm thankful to be at a church here that cares about each other, where we're slow to judge and we're quick to love and to extend compassion. And I hope and I pray, I know that you all do too, that it's not just within these walls, 
that we're also doing it to the people in our lives outside this church. And that we can be a light to others that they know, like, oh man, those people, I, I've acted in a certain way in front of them. I've, they know some things about my life, but they, have, they don't really judge me. They don't, they don't really come to those conclusions like other people do. They still love me. They still show compassion. I want to encourage this church in that and to continue to grow in that, continue to be that. Let's go ahead and pray. God, thank you for Christ's words about judging others. A habit and a sin that uh, can be so rampant in our lives without us even knowing. God, I pray that you would do a work in us to first become aware of that, when we're doing that, how often we're doing it. And I pray that your spirit would convict us and that there would be a desire to change. And God, I pray that instead of uh, being judges, God, that we would, we would be people who are characterized by your love, by your compassion, that we would have patience with people, that we'd be curious about the work that you're doing in others. God, help us to be a light for you in your kingdom. Encourage us, empower us to live for you with everything that we have. We trust that you are at work. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. And if you would, please take a moment to subscribe and leave an encouraging review to help others find our podcasts on whatever platform you are listening on. We hope you have a wonderful day. We'll catch you next week.